In last week's shir, we mentioned the machloket between those who follow the Rambam Maimonides, who hold that Olam Haba is a purely spiritual world in which disembodied souls uh, receive the eternal reward of the pleasure of contemplation of and closeness with Hashem, versus the Ramban and Nachmanides and those who follow his approach who hold that Olam Haba, the ultimate eternal reward, is synonymous with Tchiyatamitim, with resurrection of the dead, in which the bodies will be resurrected so that the soul and body are joined together once again and can jointly receive the reward for all the mitzvot that the soul and body together accomplished during their years in the, their life, during the years of their lifetime in Olam Hazeh. Today, <clears throat> we will, uh, I would like to discuss three other points. One, uh, where does your soul go after? Where does one soul go after one dies? Two, what is the ultimate punishment, the parallel ultimate punishment, which the wicked can expect? And three, what is Tchiyatamitim, what is resurrection of the dead? The first question where does one so where does someone's soul go when they die? For the Rambam is not a difficult question at all. The Rambam tells us that Olam Haba doesn't mean it's coming in the year six thousand or sometime in the future. Olam Haba comes in everyone's lifetime as soon as they finish living through Olam Hazeh, as soon as they die. So as soon as a righteous person dies, his soul is immediately found in Olam Haba, which of course makes sense philosophically for the Rambam. Because once the soul is no longer encumbered by the body, if the soul is has spent its time in this world filling itself with knowledge of and closeness to the divine, then naturally it will partake in the eternal life of Hashem once it is no longer in a physical body. For the Ramban and those who follow his approach, though, someone might die, but let's say, uh, you know, Moshe Rabbeinu or Aaron Akoin died over 3,000 years ago, and Olam Haba still hasn't happened. Who knows how much longer it will be? Maybe another 1,200 years. Who knows when Olam Haba will be? So, where are the souls of the righteous between when they die and when God resurrects the dead and ushers in the era of Olam Haba? The Ramban tells us, no problem. This is what Chazal mean when they talk about Gan Eden. Gan Eden is not a synonym for Olam Haba, says the Ramban. Gan Eden, the Garden of Eden is a metaphor for where the souls of the tzaddikim go to wait until their time of resurrection, uh, until the arrival of Olam Haba. So the Ram, Ramban says there's some uh, holding chamber 
called uh, called Gan Eden. Other philosophers have other words for this. Rosad Yigon in the sixth the book of his Emunot Vdeot says they are Gnuzatach Kisei Kavod. They are stored away under Hashem's heavenly throne. Some say they are found in Yeshiva Shalmalin, the heavenly Yeshiva. But all these descriptions have one thing in common. They assume that there are two places where the soul goes. First, it goes to some divine waiting room, perhaps called Gan Eden, where the souls wait for their ultimate reward. And, Ramban adds, have pleasure of closeness with the divine, but do not have the ultimate reward yet because they are incomplete, they are merely souls. And then, after a couple thousand years passes, or however many years pass, um, they are resurrected and merit Olam Haba. So while for the Rambam, the ultimate reward of the righteous has only one stage, they go straight to Olam Haba, for the Ramban and Rosadjigon and others, there are two stages. First, as we say in our Kel Malei Rachamim Tefillah, they rest, uh, they are stored and watched over and receive some level of reward in Gan Eden, in the world of the souls, which is a temporary holding area. And then, when the dead are resurrected, rejoin their bodies and go to Olam Haba. The Rambam, in his... Uh, parish on the Mishnah, on the Mishnah of Kol Yisrael Yisham Chayel Gulamba, is explains that, in fact, Gan Eden, he has no need of Gan Eden. Souls go straight to Olam Haba. He never explains that Gan Eden is actually not a philosophical concept. Gan Eden just means a wondrous garden, which someday, you know, we'll discover hiding someplace in the uh, in the Amazon rainforest, perhaps, or somewhere where there are wondrous plants and herbs and plentiful water and fruit trees and uh, even medicinal herbs. But he says, no, it is nothing philosophical, nothing metaphysical. It's just a really, really nice place uh, place on earth. So for the Rambam, Gan Eden is not a philosophical concept. But for the Ramban, Gan Eden plugs the gap between our life in this world and Olam Abba, and it is where the souls wait for their ultimate reward. Of course, the Ramban, it is you know, well known nowadays, although the Ramban tried to hide it and only hinted at it, there is a third approach to what happens to souls until Olam Haba, which nowadays everyone knows, but the Ramban considered a esoteric Kabbalistic secret, which he only hinted at here and there, in right here in the Torah to Adam, the Shara Gemol, as well as in a few places in his parish on Chumash, which is the doctrine of Gilgul Neshamot. Third possibility is that, perhaps, until Olam Haba comes, the souls are recycled and come down into a new body on earth, and therefore, have an opportunity to perhaps fix what needed to be fixed, to do a better job than they, uh, than they did originally. Um, so, there are three theories then as to where your soul goes. When you die, assuming you are righteous, A, Straight to Olam Abba, the Rambam, B, the Ramban, to Gan Eden, to some place, uh, some heavenly waiting room, some place, a nice place, but not of ultimate reward, but of waiting for the ultimate reward. Or three, perhaps the doctrine of Gugul Neshamot, that at least some souls 
come back to Earth in a new physical body and um, start from scratch and have the opportunity to prove themselves by uh, being righteous or being wicked. The second topic that I wish to discuss is, perhaps uh, there's an unpleasant topic, even politically incorrect, but not everyone is righteous. They're also the wicked, and the wicked deserve eternal damnation, we are taught. So what happens to the souls of the wicked after they die? Where do Rishayim go? What is the ultimate punishment that the Russia can expect? And regarding this, we see three opinions as well. The Sefer Ikarim says that those philosophers who hold that Olamaba, that the ultimate reward is in a physical world, hold that Gehenim, the place of ultimate eternal punishment, is also a physical world. Gehenim means, Sefer Ikarim says, uh, explaining uh, the opinion of the Ramban, that Gehenna means what six-year-olds think it means. That there's a soul in a body, a real physical person, who is burned by eternal hellfire. Of course this constitute a bit, constitutes a bit of a philosophical, or at least scientific problem. Um, I'm not a scientist, but I'm fairly certain that you can't burn anything eternally. I mean, okay, we are not so skilled. Uh, I probably couldn't burn anything for more than a couple of minutes or a couple of hours at a bonfire or something. But let's say some very clever scientist in controlled laboratory conditions could probably get something to, uh, you know, to burn for hundreds of years or thousands of years. But ultimately, everything that burns eventually gets burned up. So how can the Rishayim suffer eternal pain and suffering by being burned in hellfire. So the Seferi Karim answer is no, no problem. In the physical world as we know it, nothing can burn for all eternity. But Hashem will perform a miracle. Yichadesh Begufam Hashem will create a new attribute create a new strength, a new power in the bodies of the Rishaim, and miraculously give them the ability to be burned forever and experience the pain and torture, but not never actually uh, never actually get burnt, never actually burn up. He will miraculously improve their bodies so that while they feel the pain of being burnt in hellfire for all eternity, they are able to withstand the fire and never actually burn up. The uh, Ramban himself, though, seems to have a 
second approach to understanding the ultimate punishment of Gehenna. The Ramban says that the wicked will not have bodies in Gehenna. There will be no physical burning in hellfire. The Ramban says, although I believe that the Tzadikim will have physical bodies in Olam Haba, for their eternal reward, the Rishayim will not have physical bodies for their eternal punishment in Gehenna. Only their souls will be punished. Why is this? The Ramban understood that resurrection of the dead, Tchiyat HaMetim, is a special reward. Only Tzadikim deserve the special reward of the resurrection of their physical bodies. Chazal tell us that there are two similar actions which God performs. I know they don't seem similar to us at first glance. But if we really appreciate everything God does in the world, we'd realize they really are similar. One is resurrection of the dead, and the other is bringing rain. And the second, we juxtapose the miracle of resurrection of the dead with with the miracle of bringing rain. Because rain gives life where otherwise there would only be death. However, Chazal say, what's the one difference between them? They're both miracles. They're both in God's hands. The rains fall for both the righteous and the wicked. Resurrection is only for Tzadikim Bilvad, only for the righteous. Therefore, says the Ramban, the Rishayim in Gehenna will not have bodies. They will not be burned by a physical fire. Rather, he explains, there will be some metaphorical fire, some form of fire. The souls of the Rishayim will be cast into, will adhere to the ultimate element of fire. We're not sure exactly what the ultimate element of fire means, but clearly what the Ramban is telling us that metaphorically there will be something which we imagine is a fire which will punish the souls of the Rishayim in the next world. But the Ramban tells us that the ultimate punishment they receive is not being burned in a fire. The Ramban tells us that the ultimate punishment which the Rishayim receive in Gehenna is internal to their souls, is more what we might say psychological. How so? In this world, what did the wicked do to their souls? They polluted their souls, they corrupted their souls. They substituted for the pure spirituality and divine spark sin, iniquity, pollution, coarseness, physicality. They've basically polluted their souls by a lifetime of sinning in this world. And therefore, when their souls go to the next world, the Ramban explains that the soul comes from the, most, the highest heavenly realms. Naturally, it desires to ascend to them. In this world, it forgot about the heavenly realms. 
But once it dies and is no longer in this world, it naturally desires nothing more than to return to its source, to ascend up to the heavenly realms, to reunite with Hashem. However, explains the Ramban in his book, Torah Adam, the chapter called Shara Gemol, the coarseness of pollution in soul constitute a barrier. Drag the soul down and do not allow it, prevent it from rising upwards heavenly. And much greater than any pain of this metaphorical element of fire. says so the greatest pain is that now the soul realizes the truth. It just wants to ascend. It just wants to go up to the heavenly realms. And it can't. Because of it, what this soul did to itself in this world. Because it polluted itself. It weighted itself down with the coarseness of Averot of sin, which prevents it from achieving what it now realizes is the only thing it ever wanted, which is to ascend heavenwards. This psychological torture, says the Ramban, is the greatest torture that anyone can ever undergo. So the Ramban tells us that the ultimate punishment through shame experience is not a physical burning, but is the psychological punishment of knowing the truth and of knowing the proper hierarchy of values, of knowing what's really important and what's really eternal, and what is really the goal of human life, and not being able to achieve it, because of all the mistakes it made during its sojourn on this planet. I think that nowadays, many Jewish thinkers prefer to express this not using the theory of the four elements, the element of fire, but uh, using metaphors taken from modern technology, and say that, you know, when you go up to heaven, the wicked will be shown a videotape of their life, and here they'll be sitting up there with the truth revealed to all, knowing that the point of life is service of Hashem, and we'll have to watch again and again and again all the foolish sins that it's committed and the psychological pain of knowing the truth and being stuck with the fact that one denied that truth and the soul fashioned and molded itself in an image of falsehood is the greatest suffering that one can undergo. This, I think, is a very accurate way of translating the Ramban into the metaphor, the language of modern-day life. That the ultimate torture is the psychological torture of knowing the truth, but it being too late to achieve it anymore. The Rambam, however, and this caused significant controversy among uh, the Mefarshah Rambam, among the commentators, the Rambam had a third opinion about the ultimate punishment for Rishayim. And he says explicitly in Parish Mishnah, 
Sanhedrin, that it is not Gehinom. The Rambam says Gehinom is something that will happen once. Sadiqim will get, the Rishayim, sorry, will get burnt. Maybe the sun will come closer to the earth and burn them. Maybe they will develop some uh, exceedingly high fever. But Gehenim is not the ultimate punishment that the wicked experience. What then is the ultimate punishment the wicked experience? The Rambam, quoting the Lashem of the Torah, says, Karit, being cut off. Rambam didn't mean, as some accused him of, that anyone who does one Avera, that, how luckily we call Chayav Karait, like someone who their whole life, all they did was eat one olive's worth of forbidden fats of Chalev, one olive-sized piece of Chalev, that that person will necessarily experience his punishment. No, the Rambam says that when it comes to the ultimate divine judgment, God has to weigh all your sins against all your mitzvot and come out with some conclusion. Um, and of course, one's ultimate fate is not based on one action alone. However, the Ram says the ultimate punishment is kares, as the Torah says, that soul shall surely be cut off by dint of its sins. And what is this cutting off? The Ram says very simply, what happens to a cow when it dies? Where does the soul of that cow go? Ramam says, nowhere. It dies with the cow, because that's not an eternal soul. That's an animal soul. Ramam says, so too for the Rishayim. They are cut off. They disappear. They're gone. When a Russia dies, when a wicked person dies, the ultimate punishment, the greatest punishment is that his soul does not continue to live in the world to come. No, Lama That, as the Ram says, Nechrat Kebeimah, he is cut off like, like an animal, like a cow or a horse. And his soul dies with his body and misses out on the chance of experiencing the ultimate pleasure and reward of Olam Haba. The, uh, the Ramban and others were horrified at the, at the thought that the Ramban didn't believe in eternal hellfire. After all, there are probably many people walking around nowadays if you told them the ultimate punishment they would get for all eternity if they lived a life of sin is that they wouldn't exist might say okay it's worth it I'll enjoy myself my 120 years here and there's no price to pay later of course that's foolish they're paying the ultimate price later because all they got in this world was ephemeral pleasures and they miss out on the eternal pleasures of the world to come. But <clears throat> the Ramam is therefore comfortable in holding the opinion that the ultimate punishment which awaits the wicked is not any eternal hellfire, but eternal non-existence, not having a share in the world to come. This dovetails with the Raman's philosophical explanation in the third book of the Mordevuchim, where the Raman tells us, in his discussion of divine providence, that the wicked, the souls of the wicked, are equivalent to the souls of animals. Why? Because the difference between an animal and a human being is not 
whether we can do math, not whether we can, you know, use tools, not whether we can read books, but that a human soul has the ability to come close to Hashem, to contemplate and understand and fill itself with knowledge of the divine, of God, and an animal soul does not. Therefore, the Ramam says, a wicked person who never thinks about God, who does not fill his soul with knowledge of God during his lifetime, okay, his soul might have had the ability to be human, but in the end it wasn't. In the end it just thought about eating and drinking and other physical pleasures, much like a cow, a horse, a cat, or a dog. And therefore, it makes sense, according to the Rambam, that this soul should be cut off. Because, how does a soul live eternally? The Rambam tells us that the Rambam tells us in his parish on the Mishnah that the souls live eternally in Olam Haba because they are connected to Hashem and Hashem is eternal. Therefore, they are eternal in their connection and closeness to Hashem. The souls of the wicked, which are not filled with any level of knowledge of God, therefore, by definition, cannot exist eternally because there is nothing eternal in them. The souls of the wicked have an emptied of eternal content and filled with ephemeral content of food and drink and physical pleasures and money and etc. And therefore have no way of living eternally any more so than the soul of a farm animal. We have seen then three opinions as to what the ultimate punishment the wicked can expect. One, the Sefer Ikarim in interpreting the Shita of the Yadraman, the Ramban, and those who believe in a physical Olam says, physical, eternal burning in physical hellfire. The Ramban says, eternal psychological torture of the soul by being not cut off as a non-existence, but cut off from the heavenly realms by being weighed down with the pollution of its sins and not being able to enter those heavenly realms which it so much wants nothing else than to be able to enter. And the third opinion is the round mom that the souls of the wicked don't even deserve that. The wicked just die and that's the end of the story. The third topic I want to discuss today is resurrection of the dead. What is resurrection of the dead and how does that fit into ultimate reward? The ultimate scheme of things. So, according to the Ramban and those who believe in a physical Olamaba, the answer is obvious. Tiyatamitim is synonymous with Olamaba. Resurrection of the dead is the world to come because the dead will be resurrected when Olamaba arrives. The dead will be resurrected and then live forever in Olamaba. For the Ramam, however, we are somewhat puzzled as to the role of Triatamitim of resurrection. 
in the ultimate scheme of reward and punishment. If the ultimate reward of the righteous is to be in the world of souls in Olam Haba, and the Ramam specifies that the greatest pleasures and rewards can only be achieved by disembodied souls. Having a body is a disability which prevents the soul from full closeness to Hashem. Then, why would the righteous ever want to be resurrected? Be, to be resurrected, if their souls immediately go to Olam Haba when they die, if they were ever resurrected, their souls would have to leave Olam Haba, as it were. They would have to lose their ultimate reward and come down and be stuck in a physical world. Why would the righteous lose their ultimate reward? This was a very puzzling conundrum for the interpreters of the Rambam from his lifetime to this very day. The Rambam compounded this uh, puzzle by never explaining any time he mentioned Triatamitim in any of his works, he never explained exactly what he meant by it. In the Persian Mishnah, he says, Oh, Triatamitim is one of the 13 principles of Jewish faith. And we've explained it. Although he never actually tells us where he explained it at great length. In the Mishnah Torah, he mentions in a number of places the importance of belief in Triatamitim, but never specifies exactly when it happens how it happens, why it happens, we are left to wonder. And there are two schools of thought, although we will see uh, these two schools of thought are not uh, are not two equal schools of thought. In the Ramam's lifetime, after he had written all of his major works, a super rationalist Jewish philosopher went around preaching that there is no such thing as the physical resurrection of the dead. God will never bring a body back to life and reunite a soul with the body. So what does Tchiyatamitim mean then? He explained that the reason the Rambam never explained exactly what he means by Tchiyatamitim is because he didn't believe in physical resurrection. There is no physical resurrection. There is no reason, there is no point to physical resurrection. Rather, every time the Tanakh or Chazal say the dead will come back to life, that is a metaphor for the fact that they won't come back to life, but they will live eternally in Olam Abba. It doesn't mean the dead come back to life, it means the dead continue living, because their souls live forever in Olam Abba. So, the, this school of thought of Maimonidean interpretation, uh, which has many adherents to this very day, denies that there will ever be a physical resurrection and holds that Tchiyadamitim is merely a metaphor for the ultimate life of the soul in Olam Haba. However, the Rama himself gave a different explanation to his opinion. The, uh, the Rama gave a second plausible explanation to these peculiar aspects of his earlier writing. In what we call the Igeret Chiyatamitim, the Rambam's letter, his essay about resurrection of the dead, the Rambam says, I don't know why people accuse me of denying physical resurrection. One of the last of the 13 Ikarim, my 13 principles of Jewish faith, is that God will resurrect the dead. 
Of course I believe in physical resurrection. Why then do I never discuss it? Do I never give it prominence? Do I never explain where it fits into the scheme of reward and punishment? Rabbi says, because I believe in Chatamitim, but that has nothing to do with ultimate reward and punishment. The ultimate reward is to be in the world of souls and Allah about to receive unmitigated pleasure that only a soul can receive in its purely spiritual connection to God. Tchiatimetim is not the ultimate reward anyone hopes for. Tchiatimetim, says the Ramam, is true, but it's not a philosophically important concept. And the Ramam says the reason I didn't go into great lengths, that I didn't explain exactly the role and nature of Tchiatimetim, is that it doesn't need any explanation. There's nothing to say about it. It is not what the righteous hope to experience someday. Rather, it's just a historical event that will happen at some point. God will at some point resurrect the dead. Dead? We're not quite sure why. Different interpreters of the Rambam come up with various theories why. But we're not quite sure why. But at some point in history, God will resurrect the dead. But that's not the reward. The reward is, the ultimate reward is, Olam Haba. The Rambam says, I didn't give much prominence to Tchiyatamitim, because it's not a philosophically important concept. But, it is still true, it is nonetheless true, there will be a physical resurrection. Of course, then the Rambam needs to explain if it's not a philosophically important concept, why did he make it the 13th of his Yud Gimli Karim, his principles of Jewish faith? The Rama says, no. What I meant was, it's not philosophically important that God will resurrect the dead. But, it is of crucial philosophical importance, it is even a principle of Jewish belief that God can resurrect the dead. And that's what I meant by my 13th principle of faith. Not that every Jew must believe that God will resurrect the dead because it is important that the dead be resurrected. It is not important at all. Those who are resurrected will not live forever. just means God will resurrect righteous people. They'll live a couple of decades. Then they'll die again and go back to Allah where they really wanted to be the whole time. What is philosophically important? It is philosophically important that God will resurrect the dead because that's the proof that God can resurrect the dead. And it is of crucial importance that God can resurrect the dead because that means that God can perform any miracle. Resurrection of the dead is the greatest miracle and there are those heretics who believe that God cannot violate the laws of physics. God cannot perform miracles. Rama says no. Anything that's logically possible to describe God can do even if it goes against the laws of physics. Because God is omnipotent and as creator of the world has ultimate control over that world. So for the Rambam, Triatamitim is not important in and of itself. It is not a permanent resurrection. People just, those who are resurrected, are not receiving the highest reward after they're resurrected, do not stay resurrected forever, live for a little while, and then die again and go to Olam Abba, which is philosophically important. However, even though Tchiyat Meitim is not philosophically important in and of itself, it is philosophically important in that the fact that God will do it proves that he can do it, 
in that it stands for the philosophical axiom that God is all-powerful and can perform even the greatest miracles and no laws of nature, no laws of physics, stand in his way. So we have then three approaches to understanding the role of Tchiyat HaMetim in Jewish philosophy. One approach, that of the Ramban and many other Rishonim, is that Tchiyat HaMetim is synonymous with Olam Abba, the dead will be resurrected, and then live forever in their physical bodies in Olam Abba, and that is the ultimate reward. The second is the exceedingly uh, rationalist, uh, non-traditional interpretation, which many have given to the Rambam, which is that there is no literal Tchiyat the dead will not be resurrected. Rather, it's just a metaphor for the life of the soul in Olam Abba. And the third approach is the Rambam himself, as he explained his intention, which is that Tchiyat is a principle of Jewish faith. There will be physical resurrection, but that's not part of the framework of reward and punishment. The ultimate reward is not to be physically resurrected. As a matter of fact, the ultimate reward would be to never be physically resurrected. However, resurrection of the dead is important within the framework of divine omnipotence and miracles because it stands for and proves the Jewish belief that God is omnipotent and can perform any miracle. However, according to unlike the first opinion which holds that the dead will be resurrected and live forever or the second opinion which holds that the dead will not be resurrected, this third opinion holds that the dead will be resurrected but into a regular physical world and they'll live for, I don't know, 10, 50, 100 years and then die again and meet their ultimate reward in, or perhaps rejoin their ultimate reward in Olamaba. So we have seen today, um, perhaps coincidentally, three philosophical questions and three possible answers to each of these questions. A, where does the soul go after it dies? Either to Olam Haba or to a state of uh, waiting to a Gan Eden, to some place or state where they wait for Olam Haba to come. Or perhaps Gilgul and Shemot goes back down into another body in this world. Two, what is the ultimate punishment of the wicked? Either the physical Gehenna of eternal burning and hellfire, or a psychological Gehenna of wanting and desiring and knowing the ultimate truth and the ultimate goal of life and not being able to achieve it, or see the Karait, the Ramam's interpretation of Karait, non-existence and just disappearing. And the third issue was, what is Triyatamitim? One opinion tells us that Triyatamitim is Olam Haba. Second opinion tells us that the less traditional opinion tells us that Triyatamitim doesn't really mean physical resurrection, but is merely a metaphor. And the Ramam's explanation of his own opinion, which tells us that Triyatamitim is not the ultimate reward, but it's just an event that will happen that God will resurrect righteous people and then they will live, and then they will die again. And the importance of it is not 
because that's the reward the righteous hope for, but because it demonstrates God's omnipotence and control over nature, um, that as creator of the world, God has ultimate control.